she woke me up and through gestures as we didn't speak the same language she sort of basically said come see the sun and we drove out to the beach and we spent half an hour praying to the sun and praying to different gods and then running sprinting as fast as we could down the beach it was just a moment of realizing how much you can see people and see each other while sharing so little in common sharing little language sharing different gods but also important that it felt like that moment lasted forever it was hours and hours of, of time together when it was really just only a few minutes and i think there's real power in that welcome to the beyond listening podcast in this episode we have a really really special treat for you we have session 4 of the getting to know you series Humans have been practicing meaning making through telling stories in a circle since the beginning of time. In this donation-based community series, we reclaim the art of storytelling and listening from and through our hearts by learning and growing together in our diversity in this time of change. In this episode, we ask voices less heard in our community, our elders and our youth, about where they are, where they want to be, and what they want the world to look like. Together, the elders and youth play with ways we can work together to build this future. Enjoy getting to know you, intergenerational vision, where do we go to from here? Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are, because we're in all different time zones. So as we start, we just want to take time to, to honor that we're having this conversation between elders and youngers or, and how important it is to do, but how much fun we can have doing it. And so before we start, I'd like to just set the context a bit by introducing several proverbs. As I was trying to think, what is what would be good to kind of bring us in and to kick us off and to kind of put a stake in our ground when it comes to this intergenerational conversation? And so I picked three of them that I thought were particularly pertinent and I'd like to share with you at this point. The first is, we do not inherit the earth from our ancestors, we borrow it from our children. So just take a minute and breathe that one in. The next one is, if you want to know the end, look at the beginning. So I'm not sure if I'm at the end or the beginning, or maybe a little of both, depending on what we're talking about, right? And so the last is that we desire to bequeath two things to our children. The first is roots, and the second is wings. And some are content with memories that play and never change. But others look to the future and try to stretch their range. What things may be possible and tasks as not yet done. What future days are dreamed of underneath the sun. These visions of the future await those who would dream. For thought creates reality, things aren't just as they seem. The possibilities are endless, the future open wide. 
Let your imagination wander through the dreams you have inside. The possibilities are endless. The future's open wide. Let your imagination wander, 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 wander through the dreams you have inside. Yeah. What's the world like for you now? What are you noticing? What do you think about it? Tell the story of the world as you experience it right now. I'm in a world surrounded by grandchildren, trees, nature, food, love, creativity, spontaneity, happiness. Yes, I like to say that we are in a world of great change, actually great chaos, where lots of things are happening and we're exposed to them all the time. And so I choose to expose myself to groups like this to my 17 grandchildren, to my six children, to my community, and to recreate the community as often as I can. Um, I was gonna say that I feel that my role today, there's more people coming together, but at the same time, there's a lot of people separating. And so I really appreciate when people create safe spaces for everyone to feel welcome. And I feel that inviting everyone's ideas can help us move forward in the future. Yes, well, similar to what everyone else said, I think we're living in a world, in a time where there's lots of potential for change, but I think that we're still kind of missing that next step that like a lot of people need to be willing to sacrifice things in order to take that next step. And in order to actually make change that has been spoken about and agreed upon? I don't know. I think as I'm 20, someone who's 20, I, I think I've sat in a place of tension for a while of like sitting between the urgency that we're told we have to have as, as being young people who are inheriting chaos, as Eileen said, but also the feeling of engaging with that chaos being too much being difficult to sit with and, and hard to actually act upon and, and wanting stability. And so I think we're in a place of, of figuring out how to sit with that chaos and how to sit with change in a way that we can actually still live our lives fruitfully and, and still be happy in every day and still be joyful. And that's certainly been a challenge for me, um, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people. I think for me, it's also about not holding everything at once, but engaging with what I can work with and what feels like a place for me to be working in and then trusting that there are other people so many other good people around this circle and everywhere else who are attending to all the other things that we have to tend to actually if i could make the question a little more pointed because what we have is a wonderful 12 year old here so she's our youngest storyteller and that's one of the reasons we're glad to have her so it's probably a little bit Shaky, but let me ask you this question. Just what does it feel like today to you to be a 12-year-old? What, what is it that you like about 
what's going, what is it that you don't like about what's happening right now in the world? Say it's kind of um, nerve wracking how just being around COVID and stuff and how I go to school, not online and how just being around kids, you don't know what they've been doing. Example, going to the school without a mask, you don't really know what they've been doing afterwards and you can catch COVID clearly doing that. And it, I would say it's fun to see your friends and to talk to someone in person except for your inside family. So you miss being around other people, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I feel like we're in um, a state of awakening, of consciousness raising, um, but agree with Madison that we have yet to sort of understand how to move into practice and action and have the tools that we need um, in order to move forward collectively. Um, I see an emergence of leaders, young leaders, um, such as the ones on this panel, a lot of wisdom in our young people, um, the need to listen to them. Personally, I feel the sense of needing to step back. And even in all my lived experience, being open um, to innovation, to new ideas, and understanding that we've all been here before, but yet there is something really special and unique about this time, and there's a lot of possibility. Um, also the need to trust one another in sort of this binary that we find ourselves in. I see that we need to, or I need to embrace the gray and the both end and that things ain't always what they seem. And so there's a lot of judgment and then there's a, at the same time, open-mindedness. And so trying to lean into that, I think is a part of our, our journey and our mandate. I think a lot of what's been said for me, I think we're in a place where, frankly, we're being asked to grow up. We're such an adolescent adult culture. And I think one of the reasons so many of the young people are having to step up is because we haven't. And not that there hasn't always been and won't always be wisdom in our young people, because I think they bring something that we don't have. But I think that that there's also this, this frustration of the lack of eldering from them and such an appreciation when they find it. For me, the, the growing up into an initiated adult culture is our souls meeting itself. You know, we live in such this Eurocentric culture, which tells us that what is right, real, and true is white and male. And the problem with that assessment is it often leaves out God and nature out of the equation. And then we use that as a yardstick to measure everything by, even who we see as privileged. But I often say it's not privileged to be disconnected from your heart. So even changing the yardstick for us of what is that? I think we're being asked to grow up. And so when we have more initiated adults, then we can have more initiated elders. And then we can initiate the youth. We have to change, but it's very difficult for some people to change. They just don't want to. It's very easy to get set and comfortable or set and uncomfortable and just not be willing to make the effort or to see the need to personally change. 
Uh, we've seen that in our parliament recently, where we've been trying to get some forward policy for climate change. And there are still people who don't believe that there's a change in the climate, even though we've had devastating bushfires last year that wiped out millions of acres of land. So to try to encourage people to take that next step, to widen their vision, to see internationally and not just in their little stake in the woods, that our climate is changing and that we all need to work together from around the world to help the situation, old and young, townspeople and country people, we all have a stake in this and it's going to make such a difference to our future if we can learn to work together. So we've set a kind of context of how we're experiencing our current reality, what's around us. So we're gonna take a trip of the imagination now um, and we're going to imagine that we can step out of today and that we can travel forward into the future, 10 years, 20 years. Imagine what's there. What would you like to create? Imagine you have the power to form what's there in the world and how it's operating. What's around you? What's happening? Who are the people around you? What are we doing? What are we building? How are we working? You can do anything you want, create anything you want. Imagine what's there. My name is Cornita. I'll speak on that. So I think just to carry on from where I was speaking before, that we have more initiated adults, that people are going through processes of learning how to meet themselves. And I think that when that happens, part of what happens is we, connect, we get connected to our own unique genius in the world. And I think we could solve every issue on the planet by initiating all of the adults. And so I think that we have a community then who really understand that there's no such thing as independence, that we're always dependent, that we're breathing the same air, we're walking on the same land. And when we're standing in scarcity, our fear, then we're codependent. When we're standing in love and abundance, we're interdependent. And so I think what it would be to live in a world where we really get clear, we have a declaration of interdependence <laughs> where all of us understand that we're in charge of all of the youth and we really learn how to love ourselves. Therefore we have that to give to others. That's my vision. My name is Teresa and um, I would like to build upon what Juanita said. Um, Physically, I see open space. I see um, walls um, being um, torn down. They, they've been removed nationally and then even amongst ourselves as neighbors. Um, we could see one another in our front yards and our backyards, and we are open. Um, I see green spaces. I see that we have successfully addressed um, removing toxins and pollution in our climate, and we have built environments that are sustainable and that feed, you know, positive energy uh, physically as well as emotionally and spiritually. 
I see a sense of belonging, like a sense of community that's more like a village. And our circles have just expanded. And that even my own children and my own family, like they're not just, they don't belong to me, but they belong to everybody. And we belong to one another. So I see that and I see also that interdependence where we're all working hand in hand and everybody's valuable. No one is considered more valuable than another. Um, whether you're an adult or a young person, everybody has a contribution and gifts to bring to this world. And we're all building and there's no judgment. And there is a sense of freedom and liberty. And we have equitable access um, to all the things that we want to do personally and collectively. And that we have no limitations in terms of what we can do together. You know, we're building, constantly building together. We're resting and building, resting and building. Oh, my name's Mary, Mary Jones from Australia. We have a wonderful television program about gardening. And I think the wonderful thing about having a garden, even if it's a tiny little one on your porch or on the street, is that you're really in touch with the earth and being able to see things planted and grown being able to take the flowers or the fruit or the vegetables, it somehow grounds you and also provides a way of interacting with other people. I think being able to see the way that the earth, even in our cities, provides us with inspiration and help and Seeing things grow, you know, it gives hope. It just brings us in touch with both one another and the earth. And so I'd like to see more gardens, whether they're tiny or whether they're huge. Um, my name is Nepali. Yes. Thank you, Mary, for, for sharing everything you've just said. I think that resonates a lot with me. I'll share quickly just a, a small paragraph that a dear friend and elder of mine named Suzanne wrote a few years back, which I think speaks to this issue a little bit. She says, even at daybreak, it often feels like sunset, the final sunset almost for our beloved world. Deep grief for the earth is ever present and the mind, heart and body work together to live the day to its fullest. Yes, busy doing the things that can be done, planting, pruning, harvesting, handwork the things which maintain intimacy with our heavenly world, things that keep one bending low down to the ground, such a beautiful gesture of humility and thanks and sorrow, often sorrow, but thankfulness always, covering every inch of the field 10 times a day. Yeah, it's a really beautiful piece. And, and for me, I think this represents my, my vision of, of where I wanna be and where I want to see the future being. Um, I think emotionally, it's about being able to hold both the sorrow and the grief, but also the joy of, of bending down with me always. And I, I hope for myself that that picture is, is planting and touching the earth and serving food to my community and being in that community. And I know for many other people that image may look different, but I think the slate of engagement and, and the way those emotions come into each other can be the same. So those, those are my visions. My name is Aubrey, and I was thinking that my desire for the future would be more people supporting each other because I feel that 
there's a lot of judgment and stereotypes placed on the people. And I see it a lot in school too. I feel that everyone kind of avoids being their true like authentic selves because of the fear of judgment from other people. So I hope that people can understand people more and respect where everyone comes from. And I feel that collectively that can make people more confident in themselves and have less limiting beliefs about what they can do as a person and also in the society. I also agree with Arvi about um, the stereotype and how it should go better. And also that adults should look after the world for us. Yeah, basically, yeah, that's it. Something that I like to see in the future is just a culture where obtaining knowledge isn't like gatekept to those who knowledge or the school system is meant to be for and is created for. Because I think that all of the things that we've talked about are only possible if everyone has access to the type of knowledge and words that we, or at least I know I have the privilege to. So I think a system where that is a thing, um, yeah. I think it'll just help all of us kind of achieve our goals. My hope for the future with whatever time I have left is that young people will wake up clothed in their right mind. Whatever I could do to help bring that about with the time I have left, that's where all my energies will be. That's where all my energies have been for the past majority of my life, my adult life, trying to create situations, safe and caring environments to provide whatever is necessary to bring about, you know, that hope relative to the environment I live in is to create that for my grandchildren. A world where they could continue to take walks, even if I'm not there, and to be able to appreciate talking to trees, hugging trees, enjoying nature, respecting nature, you know, a, a, a hope where they don't wake up hearing gunshots every night, hearing about the murders that are taking place. And they ask me about, Poppy, what's going on? Why are so many people killing themselves or, or committing suicide or others killing them? But to prepare them to feel good about themselves and know that they are loved. That's key, that they are loved and they feel loved. And there's always someone there for them to talk to. Our final prompt is for some stories. So tell us a story of a time when you felt or experienced something that felt like this future you want more of. I'll tell one. And it might seem just a little different, but it was several years ago. And at that point in time, we were working on policies. We wanted, we wanted there to be more childcare in the area. We wanted there to be more childcare in the state. And you know, parents needed childcare so that they could go to work or, or whatever it is they could do to support their families. 
And so what we did was we took a, uh, two busloads of mothers and their children up to the state capitol. And we went into the hearing room. And those people who were the professional advocates like me, we did not say a word. We let the mothers talk. We let the mothers tell their stories in front of the policymakers. And by the time we finished the hearing, the children were sitting on the legislators' laps in the middle of the hearing room. And they got all the childcare that we asked for that year. And so that's a practical thing that happened. But it showed the power of community to me. And it showed the power of, of people who say they represent community acting on behalf of the community and responding to their needs. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I'm in a minority representation club at my school. And I feel that there's a really good sense of like welcoming there because everyone supports each other. It doesn't matter like what you look like, um, where you come from, everyone sees each other as equals. And um, that kind of piggybacked on what I was talking about, about how like less judgment would make everyone feel a lot more comfortable being themselves. We also talk a lot about what we can do as younger people for the future of the society. And so that felt like the future to me. I'd just like to share something that I was involved in recently that gave me some fun and some help uh, for our future. I belong to, I just recently joined a group called Common Grace. And they're a group of Christians who try to help social change. And because of the climate conference that's just coming up in Edinburgh, where the leaders of the world are getting together to see if we can do a bit more to um, help our planet, Common Grace had the idea of having people knit scarves that would show the way that our climate has changed over the last hundred years. And to give these to our senators and our members of parliament to wear on the last sitting day of parliament before this uh, important climate change meeting in Scotland. And so I'm a knitter. I really enjoy doing something when I'm watching te telly. So I started knitting a scarf, in fact, several scarves. Unfortunately, I didn't get them ready to, in time to be able to present them to the senators. So I got a group of family together and we decided to go down to our local member of parliament's shop front and stand in front of it wearing our climate change scarves. And so took some photographs and then sent the photographs to our local member to encourage her to wear her scarf on this last sitting day. And we're excited to get back an email from her saying that, yes, she was intending to wear her scarf. And then when I saw the news the night when it was talking about what was happening in Parliament, we saw lots and lots of people who were wearing the scarves, and that was so encouraging. 
And it was only at the very last minute that our prime minister decided that he would go to Scotland to take part in the climate change meeting. So um, yeah, let's all pray and wish them progress in this meeting that's about to start. I've been feeling, having a sense of what the future looks like or what it should be. Um, the past uh, several months since April, when I moved to Cincinnati to be with my granddaughter, to support my single mother, um, eldest daughter, um, with my two-year-old granddaughter. Um, being with her every day is a joy and is something that I didn't have with my, with my four children. Being a single mother, I had to work three jobs. I was a low-wage worker, didn't have transportation, didn't have family support. So I didn't have the time or the capacity to be present with my children. And so I wish that for every family. I know that our families have been disjointed in many ways because of incarceration and because of capitalism, oppression, exploitation. You know, families have been separated due to injustice and violence and racism. And so how do we reconnect right, our families? How do we reconnect our adults with our young people? we need time and we don't have that time. And so having time with my granddaughter, having time with my daughters now that they're older, it feels wonderful, but I feel like I've missed so much of their childhood and not having any days off after giving birth to them. Like I had to go back to work within three days of each of my, my three eldest daughters who I gave birth to. And so I didn't have no paid leave. Um, maternity leave. And so I feel like fathers, um, I know a lot of single fathers that are in my circle that I admire deeply. I wish that they had more time. I feel like families should have more time with one another. For me, that is sort of a glimpse of what the future should be more of, um, is us having the time to connect with one another in meaningful ways and move out of this performance-based capitalistic system of overproduction and exploitation um, where we feel just utterly empty at the end of the day and have nothing to give one another. The time right before this whole pandemic thing happened, I had the privilege to be in another place in a different country. And I was staying at this home with, with the family. And there was one morning when the owner of the home, she woke me up and through gestures as we didn't speak the same language. She sort of, it was dark and she basically said, come see the sun. And we drove out to the beach and we spent half an hour praying to the sun and praying to different gods and then running, sprinting as fast as we could down the beach and sharing this most, most delicious meal I've ever had. There was just a moment of, of realizing how much you can see people and see each other while sharing so little in common, sharing little language, sharing different gods. Um, and it made me really hopeful about what was possible. Also important that it felt like that moment lasted forever. It was hours and hours of, of time together when it was really just only a few minutes. And I think there's real power in that. So I'd love to see more of that, that relationality and connection in my future. So, this isn't like a specific one moment, but just kind of a time period. Um, I would say last summer, especially here in like America, um, there was a lot of racial uprising. There were a lot of protests and like it gave me hope for the future. And then also paired with that, 
I started an organization with a few friends from other New York City private schools that were that are all predominantly white. It's called Black Students Demanding Change. So we sent demands to our schools that would make them more welcoming and honestly less traumatizing for their Black student bodies. And so we sent demands, we had webinars, like we gathered followers on social media and it just really felt like I was able to make tangible change, which is something that I've always wanted to do, but never really knew how to just jump into it. And I think just having that opportunity to meet that group of like-minded people and just jump right into it and actually make change in the schools that we go to, I think that was a good indicator of what I want my future to look like. The story that I was thinking of, I used to, um host a feminine wisdom retreat. I did eight retreats in five years. One of the things that I really liked about the retreat is that we got really great diversity and that women would come back each year from the previous years. We always had women to represent every year that we had done them. And there was one day that a woman who lived in Columbus, Ohio, I live in Cincinnati, calls me and says, uh, there's a woman in Cincinnati who just gave birth to a baby the last feminine wisdom retreat she was pregnant at and something screwed up with her insurance. So she doesn't have a breast pump. And she says, we're going to get her a breast pump by the end of the day. I'm going to call my friends in Cincinnati. You call whoever, you know, let's figure out how we do this. Even if we have to buy her one, she has to have one by the end of the day. So I call another woman who had met um, Gina, who's the woman we were looking for the breast pump for, but met Gina at another feminine wisdom retreat <laughs> and said, I left a message because she wasn't home. I knew she had a young child that she was nursing. So I thought she might know even where to start. Within an hour, I get a call back from her. And she says, my son nurses very well. I have a breast pump I don't use. I'll take it to her and teach her how to use it. And for me, the story of community is that these women who probably would never have met each other have come together in gatherings like this that we're doing now, right? And said, we're going to do this for her. And as a communal unit, we figured out how to make it happen that day. And I think that's the power of community. Growing up in a diverse public housing, uh, you know, right after World War II, you had Appalachian whites, you had Southern whites, Southern black people, such as my, my mother and my father and my uncles and my aunts. People that lived in the public housing, uh, supportive they were of one another and how they took care of one another. And then I remember moving out of that housing, public housing and moving uh, into a home that my parents purchased with my, my uncle and my aunt. And I remember growing up in that, that, that home so it was continuity of understanding the importance of doing things together and family sticking together. And I hope that could continue with young people, you know, in, in the future of taking care of one another within a family situation, uh, within a community situation of working together. But all, all those values have to start, you know, within the family and be patterned so young people can pick up and do the same thing. What's on your heart from a word or a phrase from one of the stories that you remember? A moment in time. Growing our food together. I think the threads of beauty, communal, empowerment, and choice.
safe and caring environments necessary to bring about hope. No judgment or stereotypes. Working together, together as family and community. Supporting one another. A really peaceful environment. Um, I was also going to say themes of community. Also remembering gardens. Time to connect with more people. Bravery and witness. Our soul is meeting itself. Uh, less judgment would allow others to be themselves. <laughs> we are interdependent. I was touched by the elder who said, we are an adolescent young culture. And what deepened that feeling were two young people. One said she met with like-minded people, leaped in and created change. And the other said she wanted to be authentic. So we as an adolescent young culture have a lot to learn from those adolescents. I heard someone say, speak of young people longing for eldering. I heard an elder creating peaceful places when there's talk of murders around Family helping family to gather together collectively. I heard someone say that sacrifices need to be made in order to move forward. I heard someone say collective determination. We let mothers speak for themselves. At the end, they were holding the children on their laps. I heard someone say that we need to create the space for families and the time for families. I heard somebody say that everybody has a contribution and a gift to bring the world. I also heard a theme about being with nature and not above it. I love the line about children who know to hug the trees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Teresa said that no one has more value than another. I was really touched by the line. I get to be with my grandchildren. Tia said, it is fun and to be with my friends again. I heard someone describing running down the beach together and sharing a meal. I just appreciate Tia and what it takes to be the youngest in a room. I heard someone calling in a future where we support each other. People are supporting each other. Elder Paul said, Whatever time left I have, I'm going to invest my energy in our young people. I heard Elder Paul say, and that's what I've been doing for as long as I can remember to. I heard a young person say that kids are mean in school sometimes. And I heard people say, we need more time. We just need more time to be with each other like this. I heard Madison talking about equitable access and access to knowledge. I heard someone speak of stooping low to the ground. 
I wrote one down I'd love to share. How to meet ourselves and connect with our own genius. Learning to love ourselves and others. Resting and building, resting and building. I heard someone say there's no such thing as independence. Standing in abundance is interdependence. your presence. Thank you for your stories and thank you for your hope as we build this future together. The Beyond Listening podcast is brought to you by We Are Open Circle, a social impact business that helps change makers, organizations and community groups evolve and thrive with integrity in our rapidly changing world. Our Beyond Listening program was designed to transform the way organizations work with complexity, rapid change, and the wisdom of diversity in a world that demands constant collective adaptation. Sign up for our newsletter for more Beyond Listening podcasts and view our upcoming trainings.